to the Weekly Roar. I'm Grant Bruner. I'm Rob Webster. <laughs> this is episode 730. With us today is Laughlin. Hey, Laughlin's back! Hey! Oh, yeah. I was, uh, when you had went away, I was like, I need to, how, how do I even look up obituaries in Polish? I don't know how to do that. How would I even know if he was gone? Oh, no. I'm f- um, but thankfully, uh, no need. Oh, you you look at Gazeta.pl. You're going to have to link me um, <laughs> because uh, I don't speak Polish, unfortunately, which is, which is part of my problem yes, is that I'm like, oh, I don't, uh, I'm just like, Polish obituaries, and it's like, do you want Poland, Ohio? And I'm like, no, Google, you're not, you're not helping me on this one. Um, Laughlin, what animal are you thinking of right now? I mean, I will actually. Ooh, Rob, what animal are you uh, thinking of right now? An obgoblin. This is the most British animal. Yeah, I think so. Just kidding, that's Bojo. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of the uh, fuzzy little goats that we petted at the Brandywine Zoo. Um, oh, you went. I did go. Excellent. I did go. Uh, and uh, also the lemurs that were there. Um, they were So only one species of lemur was out. I, I'm sure they, the other species of lemurs, the two other species of lemurs that they have were just um, away, like inside, not... <laughs> outside and um but the species that was in that was um outside rather was the black and white uh kind of lemurs like the the stereotypical like from the movie madagascar lemurs um yeah yeah no no no. so to distinguish the lemurs you don't say king julian mort or maurice (laughs) um they were out and they were very close to um the fence so we're like very close to us and when they looked up at us because they're on the ground when they looked up at us you could see like um like little vamp their like their their canines little vampire teeth sticking out it was very cute. <laughs> Did they yeah. like it, move it? They didn't really move it, move it. They were mostly eating grass, which is... Aww. I don't know. I guess I, probably lemurs do that. I, I, in the wild, I would assume <laughs> they eat stuff and grass is stuff. So good for you, lemurs. Um, anyway, Rob, have you played any hey. video games? I played a video game. Hey! We need to ring the, we need to ring the special bell. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, I played a video game. It's called Tunic. Oh yes! How was that? It's pretty good. So, a, is it a, is did, I, did I diagnose it correctly that that is a Rob game? It is a Rob game, and yet not in the ways I was expecting. So yeah, Tunic is the top-down isometric uh, kind of adventure Zelda style, Zelda slash Dark Stars slash Dark Stars, Dark Soul. <laughs> I'd like it more yeah, if it was yeah, called yeah. Dark Styles. Yeah, I'd quite like Dark Stars. Uh, Zelda Dark Souls kind of thing. Oh, also Fez. Yeah, probably a bit of Fez. I've not played Fez, but it does it's, seem it's to have that vibe. Increasingly, from what I'm hearing from people, it is increasingly Fez-like. Yeah, I mean, you start and it's very conventional and you're, you, you pick up a stick and you start twatting monsters with a stick and you explore and you find a forest and you fall down a well and it's all... Pretty normal um, adventure game stuff. I mean, a Zelda-style adventure game as opposed to Monkey Island-style adventure game. Yeah, an an, an action-adventure, not a point-and-click adventure game. Yes, yes, action-adventure stuff. Um, 
and slowly you start to notice, oh, okay, a lot of the text in this game is just symbols. A lot of it is untranslated, so it'll come up with a... Um, you'll pick up an object, it'll be a little fox thing, all the text will just be... And then there's a button that says, okay, and you go, cool, yeah, all right. I guess I wonder what I've just done. And honestly, I'd say that is the killer feature that, for me, I really like about this game. Um, the art style is nice. The gameplay is fun enough, although it is slightly more brutally hard than I would personally, than I personally jive with. I've not, maybe I've just not had the experience of feeling myself getting better at it, but every fight feels like a struggle, honestly, um, in a way that is tough. But what makes it fun is the feeling of, oh, I genuinely don't really know what's going on. And as you progress through the game, you pick up these little shards of a instruction manual, uh, which looks, the instruction manual is absolutely the killer feature of this game because A, it looks gorgeous. Um, B, it's mostly in the garbled text, but it's got little bits of English and they've done a really good job of it. It feels like you've picked up some lost game from a foreign country that you don't fully understand. And (laughs) it's a really small, funny detail, but I absolutely love it is when you zoom in on the pages of the instruction manual, you can see the uh, the little dots of the inkjet printer mm-hmm. that printed it out. Yeah, like you can so see, you can it, s- it looks as if it was a scan of a physical object. Exactly, yes. And you can see as well where a previous holder has scribbled notes in the margin with a pencil or with a uh, with a sharpie or something, and there are clues in there which are from the previous holder. There are clues in there which are a little bits of text that are in English, and it's got the vibe of um, the fonts in the uh, instruction manual. Uh, um, one of the fonts is one that you it's it's the one that you see a lot on a Japanese website when it does a little bit of English text, and it's a monospace kind of font. Um, and there are little bits that feel like they've been badly translated into English. So it says something like, oh, Krabbit is strong. He just wants to be close to you. It's got that slightly shonky, charming, goofy translation vibe that is really, really nice. And it makes it feel like something that you've really got to riddle your way through. And I think in that sense, despite me not necessarily vibing with the combat just yet and vibing with the brutality of it, it does make me feel lost and alone. Like, you need the game to make you feel like you need a helping hand or else that would be lost. If it was if it was a Mario platformer and they had this instruction manual, which you can only half read you would just skip the instruction manual. But because it does feel like there are tricks to things and because it does feel like you've got to think carefully about how the Splorm monster will attack you, it means you really treasure those moments when you pick up another two pages of the instruction manual and you flick through it and you're really pouring over what's been left in the margins. So despite on a moment-to-moment gameplay level not necessarily being entirely my jam, I really like the thing that it is and I think the gameplay is the kind of gameplay that a game like this needs, if that makes sense. Well, so uh, the more I hear people talk about it is there's, there's like a lot of people being like, 
oh, I played through the game and got to a point where I'm like, well, okay, I don't know what it is. And then I look up a guide and I go, oh, God, oh, shit, fuck. I mean, that's, that is, that is the kind of stuff that I'm hearing people talk about. And so, like, there's stuff happening and there's not, not only is there like stuff happening, it's happening like Fez, where it's like the community is figuring out shit. And like, okay. I, uh, like Kent will never want to be part of that. So, um, <laughs> uh, the other thing is that, like, so, like, hey, here's this cool kind of like throwback game, but also has like weird mystery stuff in it is good. And I played through it and I got the sword, sword, not the, not the stick, but the proper sword. Yes. Um, yes. and then I kind of just like bailed and went and did other things. Um, I would say that if I were to continue playing it, I would just turn the health off. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever die because I don't give a shit about the combat and I am mildly interested in the mystery. Yeah. There are, there are entire sequences where, um, I was trying to get a key from underneath some monster's feet, and I just, I must have died about ten times to the monster in a way that wasn't... Miserable. Entirely fun. No, I like, things that are balanced that you, like, die routinely, I just don't think are fun. And, like, I understand that, like, that's how video games were for a long time, but I just think it's really tedious. The thing that made it... So I it, I would have found that tedious in another game. In Tunic, the thing that made that interesting is it felt like I didn't have... Because I felt so much like I didn't have the full raft of information, it kind of felt like a choice every time I went, I think I'm going to try and get that key again. Um, which, I don't know, it's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit perverse. It's a little bit... Um, Noted pervert. Yeah, not 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 perverted. It's, it just feels like the thing that because it's <laughs> because it's not fun, but it's just free choice. It does feel like fun again. It's a very strange thing. It's. I'm quite happy to be playing it. The yeah, the style is lovely, and there are so many moments where I am pleased to hear that there are things that um, people are having to find as a community um, that are big surprises because there are so many things that just feel like little surprises that when I realise that they're there, I go, ooh, there's there's a building which looks like a windmill um, and has got a shop in it, but you're walking through this void and then this giant skeleton fox rears up and I thought it was going to twat me like everything else in the game did and then it offered me sales things. And there's so many, so many little things where it plays with your expectations or when I realised, oh, these things that I've been picking up all game, I can offer these at the thing at the uh, save points in order to um, increase my stats so to increase my attack power or to increase my HP permanently for the rest of the game and I presumably at any point in the game before I found the instruction manual could have absolutely done that but seeing it and feeling like oh that was there all along and this missing piece of the puzzle has given me the information to put that together. That feels really great. So there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that um, Tunic, by being quite user hostile, is fun and interesting. But I'm I'm not remotely surprised that you bounced off it because it, it, there are times when it's been a little bit frustrating for me as well. And I've got I, I don't know. I'm I'm usually quite happy to. <laughs> 
to uh, to walk all the way down the path of violence. Yeah, I mean, it, times. yes, like violence against yourself specifically. Yes, um, where it is nice that you can turn off the health and you can turn off the stamina too, so you can just have infinite stamina. Oh, um, which is good. I think that those are sm- it's a smart decision. Where it's like also, it's one of those things where I know that there's an in- there's an infinite amount of discourse about um easy modes in souls games blah 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 but like let's be real if i could crank elden ring to easy i would be having an infinitely better time and like there's going to be a thousand people who want to fucking debate me bro about it but like instead of playing instead of like being like well i'm done with this fucking game because it's driving me crazy i hate this um i might have actually played through it yeah i can i personally I'm fully on your side. I see no reason not to offer myriad difficulty options. Yeah, and it's like the idea. I mean, I, I'll get into it a little bit about like later uh, because one of the games I've been playing, I, I there was like moments of of like frustration when I was playing. It's just like this is how video games were, and like the, the I think one of the things that causes like this dichotomous reaction is that there are people in like the 80s and 90s played video games and they're fucked hard and they experience that and they're like yes i love this this is what video games are and there are people like me who experience it and it's like i will put up with this annoying difficulty because there are other things about video games that i really like and I feel like yeah. that is like the core distinction between the two camps of like there are people who like difficulty for difficulty's sake, and there are people like me who are just like this is a waste of my fucking time. Like this is the <laughs> third time I've tried to fight this boss. I am w- you are wasting my fucking time. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. Um, yeah, yeah, fun? What I just uh, confirmed. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, Tunic, Tunic seems cool. Tunic seems like a game that I might enjoy best in a video essay. I think that's also true. Yes, Uh, it's, I I would say that Tunic is, despite, despite me just agreeing with you and saying, yeah, every, everything should have a difficulty options. And I'm glad that Tunic does. I would say that from the, the experience I'm personally having with Tunic, the difficulty is an ingredient that is not a means into itself, but is making the narrative things that it is doing pop more to me personally. I found the same thing with Celeste. Um, but yeah, I broadly agree. It is also interesting where I was like, I was when I started playing it when it launched, because uh, it was on its own Game Pass, and I was like pressing all the buttons. I'm like, where's the fucking map? And it wasn't until like for a while that I was like, oh, it's in the the manual. Like the the manual yes. is the map. Yes. And they do like at least have the thing that is not like they have like here like you are here, uh, which is good because if they had played it straight and like didn't have a, a little indicator, it would be like, well, okay, your map's bad. <laughs> like you like yes, you have made it more authentic to a scanned in thing, but your map sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I was relieved. I was relieved to see the "you are here" indicators out on the subject. On the subject of the map, very quickly, one thing that is striking and keeps on slightly bothering me, but I suspect it's going somewhere, um, is that the map in the instruction manual is clearly there are things, there are features like um, land bridges that are destroyed at the time that you as the fox are playing the game and picking up the the, the diegetic in-game manual mm. um, which I assume they're going to do something with but it does annoy me every single time and my other thought with the map is this would be a perfect Wii U game <laughs> yeah genuinely here, so here, here's that- my thing 
I was talking about this with Jared, who was on our last episode. I was talking with him about it. I was like, Switch 2, more powerful guts, DLSS upscaling, yada, yada, yada. That's all great. Of course, those are like no-brainers, of course. But more importantly, here's what I, here's my pitch for the Switch 2. The Switch 2 is the stealth Wii U 2. <laughs> in that the dock would have like a little, like a low power console inside of it that can basically accept the signal being beamed from the Switch to the console and display it on the screen. So you could have the Switch undocked and be beaming it to your TV. And I think that like have that be the Switch 2 and the Wii U 2 at the same time would be like the dream would be the dream for for me at least or at least people like um who, who are like had a wii u and we're like there's parts of this that's really cool even though there's it's a pretty fucked up console there are there are ideas here that are really cool and i feel like if they did that it would be the coolest fucking shit. Yeah, as an elevator pitch, I'm listening. And as someone playing Tunic, I'm listening as well. Because the one thing that is very, very annoying is uh, wanting to know where I am on the map and then having to lose the page that I want with the manual. Um, yeah, that sounds great. Come on, Nintendo. We, it, it, it's a good idea, and that means Nintendo will never do it. Oh, of course. but Or if they do it, they will call it the Switch U, and it will yeah, sell Yeah, those little three, three copies. Yeah. Be like, oh, so this is just like an add-on for your Switch? And then it's like, no, it's a different console. Oh, no. We've all already got Switches. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, it is one of those things where it's just like, you could just, you could just call it too. And I feel like they don't want to do that. That like, it's, it like offends them somehow. You could call it the Super Switch. Or the Switch 64. Or the 3D Switch. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe not that Actually, one. you know what? If it could play, if it had a 3D screen and could play all those fucking 3DS games, it would be pretty cool. Yeah, no, that would be pretty cool. I like the, the, Listen, the 3DS, very gimmicky, but there are some fucking killer games on the 3DS. I was thinking the other day, I am starting to miss the experience of having a console that I just carried around in my pocket. It feels, although the Switch is doing very well in the hybrid thing of, oh, I can play this on a train or I can play this on the screen at home, I do kind of miss like I'm, I'm only going to bring the switch with me if I have planned to bring the switch with me. If I'm planning to wait, I miss I miss the, having the little computer console. I guess that's the phone nowadays. But maybe if they made a switch with a uh, with a foldable screen, like one of those uh, one of those phones. Uh, um, I also think yeah, like the the, the Samsung Foldsies or whatever. Yeah, those those bad boys. Um, I, the other thing about phone games is that like I am not I am not against phone games conceptually, and when like the iOS like App Store started. I was like, oh man, there's so much cool shit happening here. This is rad. And then it just became like a a, a nightmare escape of total yeah. garbage. So it's like, I am not against playing games on my phone. I of like, hey, your phone is your mobile console is fine with me. I'm, I I don't think that it's a bad idea. It's just that like, oh, there's just a mountain of horse shit that I don't ever want to look at. Um, so no, thank you. I'm good. Yeah, it feels like it feels like there's a way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but like the thing is like the, the worst garbage is the stuff that makes the most money so there's no incentive for it to improve ever yeah so shrug um i i feel like that's the same problem with people who like sports games where it's just like well fifa sells 8 billion loot boxes so d- 
Hope you don't want FIFA to get better anytime soon. Yeah, goodness. All, all they need is the latest Bradley Sports Ball to be playable in the game. And they got a sale from, from Sports Job, Ball Corner. Bob Jortsman. Bob Sportsman. Um, is, is Bob Jortsman one of them? Uh, Bob Jortsman is the is the is in the Premier League. I think the Premier oh, League. Oh, lovely! Is the thing. Oh, that's so good. Um, he wears jorts exclusively, and he's from the he's from, <laughs> he's, from, he's, from he's from the 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 long running Jortsman family, the New England Jortsmans. Um, nice. Lothlin, have you been playing any video games since last we spoke? Yeah, I was playing WoW. WoW, WoW, WoW. Um, did you do anything cool in WoW, or just <laughs> grind out your dailies? <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, so, you know, when when I started, um, I mean, when I started, not when I started, when I was at the like the peak level mm. in WoW, that was uh, Wrath of the Lich King, Cataclysm, and then I stopped and then came back uh, for uh, Warlords of Draenor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, at my fucking peak, I was amazing. The guild was doing great. We were like oscillating in the top five on the server in the low hundreds in europe Mm -hmm. that was and i was like one of the best mages around and now that i i came back (laughs) uh my preferred spec uh fire changed so much Mm -hmm. that i completely lost the ability to fucking play it Mm -hmm. and i am so sore and so buttered about this you can't can imagine. <laughs> On top of this, I well, when when I came back, well, that was what uh, like two months ago, maybe. Mm. Um, it it's at the ass end of the current um, a current expansion. Mm. I had I had no gear mm. at all. Uh, I had so much shit to farm because most of the good gear you only can farm or get in raids or something. Oh my god. And Jesus Christ, when you go to your first trade and it turns out you're doing less damage than tanks. Oh, this is so shameful. So shameful. Oh my god. So I switched to Frost. Okay. And I'm doing better. Okay, that's good. Yeah, a little better. And then I leveled up my Death Knight. Okay. And what, kind, um, what is that? A is that a, a damage dealer? Is that a tank? Uh, it's uh, okay. Uh, Death Knight is a melee okay. uh, character. Came out in Wrath of the Lich King. It's a hero class, so you start at level fifty-eight. Uh, well, back then you did, but but now there was a level squish. Anyway, um, it's uh, either a melee DPS or a tank. Okay. And uh, I absolutely when I actually started playing this uh, DK back in um, Cataclysm. I had so much fun. Uh, oh my gosh. And now I, uh, after struggling on the mage, I uh, started playing the DK again and I am having so much fun. Good. Yeah. And in her DPS spec, she is doing more damage on, on a, like a training dummy mm-hmm. uh, with, without any buffs <laughs> than my, um, my mage with full party buffs on her, mm. which is absolutely crazy to me because my mage is better geared than the DK. Seems like maybe there's some slight imbalance going on. There, I have no, I, I have to be doing something wrong on this mage. I don't just don't know what. Mm. 
Mm. It hurts my soul to the very core. My pride is being wounded. So I've I have never I've never like been a WoW player. I mean, like I've I've touched it with my cousin when I was younger and as a teenager. But um, like uh, one thing that sticks in my mind is a few years in, didn't they just like basically take the warlock class and just entirely redo how it works into like completely and so everybody who played a warlock was totally fucked um i don't know i do have a warlock but i only wrote her in wrath of the lich mm. king so that would be after mm. what you are saying mm-hmm. probably and it didn't change much okay so that that's just one thing that I was, I, that stuck in my head is that, like they they just like like ripped out how the, how, how they functioned and just said what if we made a different a completely different kind of playing character um that like, i I don't know if I'm if I'm conflating that with some other game. I, I remember it as being WoW, but who knows? I, I'm certainly no okay. WoW historian. Um, I'm not sure, but you might be thinking not about warlocks, but instead about hunters. Maybe. Because this is exactly what happened to hunters. Maybe. Maybe. That's possible. Yeah, because, uh, look, hunter is like my second favorite class. Mm-hmm. I had I have three hunters because you can collect, like, battle pets on them. I mean, not battle pets. That Those are like Pokemon in WoW. But uh, you, uh, pets that you go to combat with. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. <laughs> yes, yes, you can uh, collect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have these balls uh, tame, and you suck them beasts. in. You can tame beasts. Mm-hmm. And it's like a status of symbol uh, to some people. Mm-hmm. Having tamed a, a special rare beast with uh, like uh, unique looks or something. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, this, this is such a hobby for me and uh because of that i have three hunters and each of them has different beasts tamed wow how do you have <laughs> yeah. the t- here's the question how do you have the time to do this because i'm like oh i guess i could put four or five hours into a video game each week and then it's just like <laughs> oh my god here's my here are th- three of my mmo <laughs> characters that i have to grind okay so don't don't tell anyone but uh, actually, uh, hunting for beasts, uh, like rare beasts to tame, mm-hmm. uh, is a very tedious and very boring and very low energy and very low effort mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, activity. Mm-hmm. You just have to fly around hoping uh, an add-on will tell you that the beast appeared, and then you pop down and tame it. Okay, so it. this is literally like Pokemon Go. It's like, you just dick around for a while, and then it'll be like, hey, there's a, a Pikachu over here. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Exactly. So uh, I can have, uh, because I, I work from ho- home on, on a work computer, mm-hmm. but uh, I only have one desk and I have uh, my monitor in front of me and then my laptop in front of a monitor. And I just basically have WoW in the background on the whole computer mm-hmm. and uh, just wait for the beast to show up. And when it does, I just move her to a different location, which takes like five minutes and camp something else. <laughs> But, During work, yes, it doesn't really take out take take much of my time or or effort or focus right. away from what I'm doing. Uh, but how, here's the question: Have you figured out how to knit while playing WoW? Knit? Yeah, or or or, or, or like do your your like because uh, you knit you knit right? Yeah, yeah, I do, but I do that in the in the evenings. I can do it at work. Well, okay. well, but I, but no, no, no. But I'm saying like, could you knit while playing WoW? So like, you could be. Keeping your hands busy while also while also like grinding out bullshit on WoW. Oh uh, no! I wish I could do that, but I mean, while camping for rares, yes. <laughs> while doing something else, then no. 
you need to learn how to how to like like run through your uh your your um your rotation all with your with your feet you need like a, a keyboard for your feet to run through your rotations um actually i i have a new keyboard and it has six buttons that i can assign macros to sounds like a sounds like a plan to play wow with your feet it is such a plan. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> well, thanks for that. <laughs> uh, I was like, wow, Lawson's anyway, leveled up anyway. eight new characters. <laughs> well, play with the feet. Like, leveling up, this, uh, they made it like super easy now. It Usually it takes, what, two or three days it, playing for like three, four hours a day, mm. maybe. Well, that's good, because leveling yeah. up slowly sucks. I- well, except that I came back to WoW, especially to, uh, specifically, to experience the leveling, the, the slow and steady grind of leveling, because I missed it. Mm. And they fucked it up for me, didn't they? Yeah. Yep. I, I do. I- <laughs> yeah. And anyway, anyway, what happened to the hunters is that it is a pet class, mm. as I just said, and it was a ranged pet class, mm-hmm. much like a warlock, actually. Anyway, uh... What they did for uh, two or three expansions already is that now uh, they all had... uh, Okay, each class has three specs, uh, so specializations. Hunters have Beastmaster, Survival, and uh, Marksmanship. Mm -hmm. So the the, the core idea of a hunter is a ranged pet class, right? Mm -hmm. So now Beastmaster has a lot of pets, and they have uh, they make use of those in combat. But marksmanship doesn't have to use a pet. Okay. It's still a ranged DPS, but no pet for you. Yeah. I mean, you can have one, but usually people don't. Okay. Because it it just doesn't add anything to this spec, which is stupid. And then and then they made survival a melee d- DPS, hmm. which is just. I can't. <laughs> no, I, I can't wrap my head around this. Beastmaster for life, sorry. <laughs> Beastmaster for life, he's got that tattooed on your chest. Beastmaster <laughs> number four, life. Life spelled with a Y. Yeah, um, I can't. I already have two swallows on my chest. Rob, are you also going to get a Beastmaster <laughs> for life tattoo on your chest? Oh, yeah. We all are. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, all three of us are going. Going after after tour, we're all going to the tattoo parlor. <laughs> well, I yeah, sure. Get a beast on one set of knuckles and master on the other set. <laughs> master for life on the other. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. Um, let's see. I've played some video games. Um, I have played roughly ten minutes of Norco. I be- booted it up uh, on l- over lunch and played through you know the very 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 early part um it's out today it is available on uh windows and mac um you, it is uh the the msrp is 15 dollars um it is on sale for like a, an introductory price on steam is 12.74 so it's 15 percent off um it is also on uh, game pass on the pc so if you have game pass on pc or game pass ultimate you can play it on the PC for free. I uh, I opted for the for it is also available on uh, itch. It is also available, I think, on GOG. And uh, I opted for uh, itch because typically when you're buying something on itch, the uh, developer is getting a, a fatter cut of your uh, payment. And I, I went for the the bundle that had the the music and the and the art book. And the, let me tell you, the art book. Is something else. I'm a I'm a big fan of the art book. I, I I would probably buy the art book even if there wasn't a video game. Uh, 
pretty pretty big fan. So I would say that that is uh, definitely worth looking at if you are if you're at all interested. Uh, but it is available, uh, and I would remind everybody that they can play Norco. It's pretty cool. It's a point and click adventure game. Uh, it takes place in uh, kind of like the area around New Orleans. Uh, Norco is actually a real place in Louisiana, um, and uh, it is a kind of like a. I don't know. You know, it, one might sit, call it like um, sci-fi, but like a, maybe slightly apocalyptic. Um, not like a. It's not like a, a running around the ruins type apocalypse, but it is definitely like some bad shit has gone down apocalypse, or like at least a, like a dystopia, if not an apocalypse. Probably a dystopia is probably a better word. Um, there's some. There's some. There's some dour stuff happening, but uh, I think that Norco is a pretty cool looking game. I've played through the first act. Um, I'm I'm pretty interested. I cannot wait to play more Norco. Um, I've also played Anno Mutationum, uh, and I've put I've put a bunch of time into it, and that is the game that I was having some difficulty with bosses. Um, the core problem is that there is um, a, uh, some things about the boss design that, like, for example, there is a boss that requires you... It doesn't require you, but it basically needs you to have grenades on you. And if you don't, you're you're pr- you're pretty much fucked. Like you can pro- you could probably still beat it, but if you don't have it, you're just donezo. And um, for some reason, I don't know if it was a glitch. I don't know if I missed something, but I was banging my head against this fucking boss. And it wasn't until I like said, "Okay, fuck this. I'm gonna go do something else," and then come back to it. That I then went to it again, and then when it got into a certain mode, it was like you there's a you have like a a person in a, like a floating machine that has that can like talk to you and person's like hey maybe like throw a grenade in that thing and it's like oh a grenade in this in this specific thing well shit uh, I don't know if I like I didn't have grenades so that didn't before and that didn't play the so it didn't play the tip but like oh well this is asking for a grenade to be thrown into it it didn't tell me this before I didn't have any way of tell like understanding that this is how they want me to beat the boss um, and it was just like one of those things where I could stay alive but but the the boss is designed that you're fighting this creature and there's also things that are like um, attacking. Like, uh, like the, the, um, power generator. So you have to be like, you're constantly trying to wipe the ads who are doing, who are doing damage and are constantly like ticking down the health bar of this power generator while you're also attacking the boss. And I could maintain it so like I'm never dying from the boss, but I would get the boss's health down to like one tenth of its health bar. And it also also it has regenerating armor, which also fucking sucks ass. Um, and I would get it down, and then I I just can't wipe the ads fast enough. They're just they do damage to they were doing damage to the power generator too fast for me to get the, the last bit of the health bar. And it wasn't until I this grenade thing was around that I could get the, the health bar down fast enough so that I could keep the, the power generator up. Anyway, this is like the first, like, probably like real boss because you spend a lot of time not doing boss stuff or, or like dungeon stuff uh, in the front half. And then the second half is like lots and lots of dungeons. Um, I don't think I like the way the boss design works. I think that um, I like a lot about what the game is doing. I of course love the aesthetic. I, I like some of the writing, not all of the writing. I like some of it. 
Um, and there is at least like enough going on to, that is like intriguing that I want to see where it goes. But every time I get to a boss, it is just like kind of a slog. And the one of the nice things is that you can kind of you you can like back out. It's kind of a hassle because there there's like tra- like a warp points. And so, like, you can kind of back out and then, like, go back and do other things, but it's also, you're kind of limited. There's not, you can't, you can't really be like, okay, I'm not powerful enough. I'm going to grind. There aren't that many opportunities to grind, at least not that I can find. Um, it, it would not be easy to be like, okay, I'm going to grind out some stuff and then I'll be, I'll upgrade my, my gear. It really seems, at least at least this portion of the game seems relatively linear so like you can go out if you need to like okay i need to go buy grenades or i need to go buy uh like a health stims but it's not like oh okay i'm going to go grind and get you know better gear level up my shit get more perks and then come back it doesn't really seem like that's a um uh, an exceptionally um, viable solution to it. So I think it is like very much they want you to execute the boss fight the way the boss, they, they specifically designed the boss fight to go. And that's it. Them's the brinks. <laughs> so um, a little bit frustrating around the boss stuff. Unsurprisingly, like the <laughs> the part that I like the least is the combat part. The, to be fair, I think the non-boss combat is totally fine. Um, I don't, I'm not, it's not super frustrating or anything, but I do find some of the boss stuff to be um, more tedious than I would like it to be. I'm not having a good time. I don't feel like, oh man, this is just asking me to, to like learn the patterns. Um, it feels it feels much more um, like wheel spinny, I think is probably the way I would put it. It's just a lot of like, I'm not having a, a good time with the bosses. I wish I, wish I could just like fast forward through this, um, but you know. Them breaks. That's Anno Mutationum. Um, and then also, I talked about it a little bit. I'm doing kind of like a, a game swap situation where um, my coworker Jared has agreed to play Disco Elysium, which I thought he had played, but he he has not because I there was mm-hmm. a, there was a video of uh, <laughs> that was going around. It was a TikTok, but it, it had been exported and it was going around Twitter, but around a few people. It wasn't it wasn't like viral or anything. And it was a dude with long hair in a wife beater um, on roller skates. <laughs> roller skating away from a cop car and the 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 tweet text was harry dubois or no it was it was uh disco elysium parentheses 2019 um which is which is very funny uh and i sent that to jared and he's like i don't know what am i looking at here and i'm like oh you don't know you don't know what this means oh you haven't actually played it because he had referenced it but it was just like a he knew that it existed type of thing um so he he agreed he agreed to play Disco Elysium and I agreed to play um, Gears of War 1 and Halo 1. Um, so I'm playing Gears of War 1 and uh, it's um, very bland. Look, I'm playing the the remastered version. Um, so, it, you know, it, it is much more modern looking than the original game. It's, it is less pixelated than the original game. Um, it runs at 60 frames per second, unlike the original game. Um, it's fine it's a corridor shooter which is very like i've played a lot of corridor shooters like i have i have seen a lot of chest high cover in my time and i'm like oh, <laughs> yeah it's one of those um the other thing that i find really notable about the opening of the game is that whenever there's like a cut scene where you're seeing the people like front on or by the, on the side it looks 
the the characters are designed to be so weirdly proportioned it looks like you have the aspect ratio wrong like they're so wide and they're so thick that it just looks like you've stretched people out on the screen and it is a little confusing but like that's just the way they designed those characters to look but it is very weird looking yeah they're very chunky i seem to remember extremely so uh which is to say like these are like military people they are very fit they're very muscular they're just stretched very odd very odd like aesthetic decisions i'm just like but why did you make your people look like this why did you just make them look like like i you can definitely stylize your video game it's just an odd choice on how you stylize your video game to make like make them wide it's what the kids are like the teens they love wide men wide men chainsaw <laughs> gun that's what that's what our research said yeah, <laughs> the panel agrees. Uh, so yeah, you know, Gears of War. It's a video game. I'm not having. It's not like I'm I'm playing it and I'm having like a bad time. I'm not like miserable playing it. But I don't think I. At least you know I'm in Act One. I'm towards the end of Act One. I'm not having like a a great time. I'm not. I'm not. That's almost more damning. What? Oh, that I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not having, having a, a bad time? time. I'm not having any time at all. Yeah, kind of. Or just like yeah, you get hey. Get this ammo pickup, and then I, I probably the most like engaging part is the is the active reload system where it, you if you hit the reload button, which is a little bit frustrating that it's not on X on a Xbox controller, it's on a right bumper um, or R one depending on on how you uh, like your nomenclature, um, and you hit it to reload, and then if you hit then it has like a little mini game every time you reload, you could just let it, the the reload animation play out fully, and it takes a little bit longer to reload. But if you hit it, and then if you hit reload, and then you hit it while a little um, icon is moving through a bar, you hit it while it's in the white section and not the gray section, then your reload is faster. So if you if you are like perfectly reloading, you can reload faster. Is like somewhat interesting but also if you're in a fucking firefight <laughs> like i get the idea that it's like okay play this little slidey mini game while you're while while you're getting fucking <laughs> ruined by aliens is a little it's cool and interesting i understand why you would want it there because you're trying to like keep people as engaged as possible but also if you like take a step back from it play a little mini game <laughs> while you're in the middle of a battle is kind of an odd decision yeah it's a weird one um so you know gears of war i hope that it's Ooh. over soon <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, maybe, maybe the, maybe the story will blow me away. Um, because I'm, I'm, I'm relatively early. Maybe the story will be very interesting. It's possible. I'm not, I am not saying that there is no, that there's nothing to be gained from Halo or Gears of War. I'm sure that there, there are good things about it that are not strictly mechanical. I, I have not experienced them yet, but like, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to end this and be like, Actually, hey, Rob, you got to read the Gears of War novel. I would be surprised if that was the case, but I'm open to the possibility. Um, Let's see. Rob, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Any things you've any... Uh, stuff you've been watching, anything you've been uh, tabletopping? I can talk about I can talk about both of those categories. Uh, we've been watching Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan is almost finished. 
Uh, that show is good. You seemed, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, you really liked the first season, and then you started watching the second season, and you were having a bad time. So, I watched the first and second seasons and really enjoyed them, and then we started the third series, Uh, and that was pretty piss poor, um, which I stand by. And yeah, I think sometime last year, we had the Kenny the Rapper saga, which is absolutely i it, it feels like something that was probably a good idea in in the source manga or something like that and they went oh crumbs this character is important to the plot it would be weird if we got rid of him i guess that's what the third series of our tv show starts with but it is mm, it's not <laughs> it's not a that was that wasn't an amazing start to the series the end of series three was some of the best uh some of the best attack on titan that i've watched at that point and um we made the mistake basically um one of laura's friends said oh i think attack on titan's finished now uh and i looked on crunchy i i happen to have a crunchy roll um game pass gives you weird discounts for stuff and it went do you want three months of crunchy roll premium and i went yeah all right i hear attack on titan's finished and we looked at the episode count and it looked like attack on titan was finished it's not finished there's still about four episodes so we were going we got to like episode 26 of the series and like this doesn't feel like it's gonna wrap up soon um and it's like oh okay we've got we've got to wait four weeks for these last few episodes but it is it remains really really good so the thing that is interesting and weird about attack on titan and the thing that i think it has done better than uh other shows of its sort is that It feels like every series has got a very different premise to the previous series, by which I mean probably about at the end of every single series, there is a game-changing twist Mm. that makes you go, oh, I now see this setting in a completely different way. And then the next series is set within the expanded version of that world that is completely different, but it doesn't feel... it, it, It feels... I can't think of another show that has quite as often as Attack on Titan has done managed to just explode its own cannon about four times in a way that is quite satisfying each time. Um, it go like so. The premise of the first series is: oh, here are some people who are living in a walled city, and then all they know is the outside world is full of these strange tall people who are very deadly and mindless and will attack you and that's sort of it and that's fun in itself by the place we are in series four those people outside the wall are barely in it they briefly appeared in one of the episodes towards the end and i went oh that takes me back the city being attacked by titans man that was that felt like it was about four shows ago now and it's a testament to how well it is telling its story that not one of those opportunities to massively drop the ball felt like absolute bullshit um it continues to do the things that it does well very well the character writing is surprisingly good it's it's got the the thing of a lot of good anime of having an absolutely ridiculous premise and then you go oh actually i believe that that character would do that thing and there's a there's a there's a it, it, it has interesting things to say about humanity and it isn't interested in making the villains into just villains and it spends often an uncomfortable amount of time humanizing the villains it's yeah it's it's a good show that goes places and um 
we marathoned it thinking that we would be able to finish it and now it's an agonizing month until we actually can finish it but we thought let's just watch these last four episodes at once because one of the things one of the things that attack on titan does that is a little bit annoying is uh it will be telling a story and it will end on a cliffhanger and then the next episode will be something that happened 20 years before the plot started and it'll be a full episode flashback you'll be going oh i wanted to know what happened with the when the when the beast titan touches the other titan da, 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 da. um yeah that's a, I'm aware that none of that was a coherent review. No, but I get it. It is that is a, that is fucking annoying. Like there's a, a book of Boba Fett. They the first like four episodes of that show is like they'll be like, hey, here's um a little bit of Boba Fett in like the the current setting of like here's the current time of the show. Yeah. Now, uh, here he is being enslaved and then kind of not being enslaved by uh, uh, the Tusken Raiders. Um, anyway, this is, like, not really relevant to what's going on. But here's stuff that did happen to Boba Fett at some point. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? And then, and then, there's just a whole episode that is just literally an episode of The Mandalorian in the middle of... Book of Boba Fett. They got tired of making the book of Boba Fett and said, "What if we made a Mandalorian episode instead?" Yeah, people like the Mandalorian. People like the Mandalorian. This shit sucks. <laughs> oh man, that's tragic. Yeah, that sounds incredible. It's fucking insane. It is fucking insane that that is a thing that they did. How is the book of Boba Fett being released? Is it a weekly release? It was or a weekly is it release. A... It is done now. Um, I st- I have not finished it yet. I, st- I think I still have two episodes because convincing my wife to watch is always difficult. Oh man, <laughs> but like oh, that sucks. Uh, because and here's the thing: my wife was more interested in watching the, uh, the Mandalorian than I was. Was more into it because that's like, where's the fuck? baby show me that fucking baby yoda (laughs) really and that wasn't pedro pascal no she was all about that baby yoda and then like spoilers i have heard some stuff that the baby yoda is in like the last episode of this or whatever but like week to week there the baby yoda is nowhere to be found the story is not about the baby yoda in in the in book of boba fett and so it's like oh well here's a bunch of boring shit (laughs) also the whole almost like the entirety of the fucking thing takes place on fucking tatooine and it's like they put luke on tatooine in the first fucking movie because it's a sand planet that sucks and is boring and no one would find him there. It's literally the <laughs> whole point. And then every single and time... And also, it's they, because it's very far away from everything. And, like, the whole fucking time, like, every time they make a thing, it's like, well, we gotta go back to Tatooine. And it's like, Tatooine is nowhere! You should never go to Tatooine! Yeah. There's a never a time you should be going to Tatooine! Ever! There's there's literally nothing there. It's a backwater shithole. But like that's not what Star Wars is. Star Wars means like, oh well we've <laughs> the movies went to these three places, and that means those are the places that you can go. Fuck the rest of the galaxy. And it is just maddening. As somebody who wants Star Wars to be more diverse to, to, uh, to be like anything like it's a whole fucking galaxy there's so much shit that is possible and there's so much cool shit that's already established in the eu and it's like uh, what eu i'm sorry disney got rid of it yeah yeah yeah. but they still own it they can just <laughs> suck any part of it that they like and they do they've already done that they've already taken things from the eu that they like and incorporated into the current canon They've already done it. So, like... Do you feel like Disney is ruining it? I mean, I don't... Well, 
There are things about the way things, the way Star Wars was before Disney owned it, that was not great. I would say, I, mean, I would say they're ruining yeah. it. I'd say that like they're frustrating in different ways is probably how I would call it. Was what I would say. Um, they think they oversaturated the fandom. Like I definitely think that they they fucked the movie thing, but I don't think. Well, we'll see. The Obi Wan the Obi Wan show is coming later, and and it has uh it has like the the cast from the prequels. So we're get ready for well, a prequels renaissance, is what I'm saying. It's gonna it's gonna be all prequels all the time, baby. Okay, wait. wait. It has Ewan McGregor in it, starring Ewan McGregor. Fuck, I might watch it actually. Jesus. We'll see, I mean, like I don't know if it's any good, but it does star Ewan McGregor. Um, I don't know. I've been crushing on the guy since I was like 10 so yeah ring it um and hayden christensen makes a makes an appearance so darth vader's whatever people say about him after the the star wars prequels he he is actually a decent guy and actually a good actor he doesn't do his good acting in star wars he was done so dirty in star wars (laughs) oh my god i'm so sorry for him i mean you, you gotta work with the material you got uh, the dialogue also, in the prequels is pretty, it's pretty, pretty bad. Um, anyway, yeah, I like him that he didn't feel it. Yeah. Um, Rob, also you had you said you had uh, tabletop stuff. Yeah, so I played a game recently for the first time called Radlands, Ooh. which is a uh, is a two-player game it's a card game um and it's a it's a lovely small game it's less than 20 pounds it fits in your pocket and basically it's a game where you've got two decks of cards so at the start of the game you draw three cards from the camp deck or rather you draw six cards from the camp deck and you keep three um and then throughout the game you're going to be drawing um cards from the people deck so you and the person you're playing with uh, uh, you run rival bandit camps after miscellaneous apocalypse. The vibe of the game is uh, sort of Mad Max meets, um, I guess, cyberpunk. It's got the sort of uh, the purple um, neon kind of what, what do you call it? Vapor. Yeah, the neon vapor yeah vibe um so it's almost borderlands via cyberpunk in terms of the art style um with some it, some very it is, very nice it is it does, like i'm looking at this the art, some of the art on the cards and it just it's not like it's one-to-one borderlands but it definitely does have some some of these have some real borderlands vibes honestly like i'm looking at the package for the super deluxe that is the most fucking borderlands looking yeah because it's like yeah, a, like are, a dude with a mohawk and spiked armor and little goggles i'm like that's just the the fucking those are just the mooks from fucking the main borderlands games yeah absolutely it's it's it feels like it owes a visual debt i'm I'm aware that it's riffing probably more specifically on mad max Mm -hmm. but it feels like it's got their vibe i feel like they must have had borderlands on their mood board or something borderlands is also riffing on mad max to some extent Oh yeah, that's what I mean. That's what yeah. I mean. There's a mutual lineage as opposed yeah. to it necessarily being um, Borderlands heritage, but yeah. I, I feel like it must have been on Borderlands. Also, you look um, at some of the, the characters. Like I'm looking at one card that is like a, a lady who very clearly who, who's like has her hands back and like her chest pointed out, and I'm like, yeah, this looks like a siren. Like yeah, like yeah, yes. There there is a lot of overlap. Yeah, yeah, tons of overlap. And I mean, the reason that I bought the game is because it was while I was in my uh, continuing Slayer Aspire phase. Um, but I wanted to buy card games that would give me at the tabletop maybe a similar feel to Slayer Aspire, where you draw a card and you get a synergy, and it had the magic words on the back of uh, on the board game geek 
um, blurb where it says, oh, a game about drawing cards and finding powerful synergies. And I was like, well, all right, for £20, let's give it a go. Um, and it broadly delivers on that. It's really fun. It's, um, it's very... Like the things that it does thematically are very fun. So I mentioned that you you basically start by drawing these three camp cards, and they will all have different powers. Um, so you're you're choosing six of your three. Uh, sorry, three of your six. Six of your three would be very difficult. Um, and they're all very different to one another, and they will determine what cards you draw that become good cards and which ones become bad cards. So there was one of the camps is called a juggernaut, um, and instead of so you would usually be trying to defend your camps with all of your people, but the juggernaut uh, you can push it forwards every turn and eventually steamroll your enemy's camp. And your objective is to um, smash up all of your enemy's camps yeah. so that you get to keep all of the water. Um, it's really fun that basically every card that you draw you can do lots of fun things with so if you discard a card you get to do a cool power which means you get to do a cool thing if you play a card for its cost you get to do a cool thing uh you can play cards that will mimic another of your opponent's cards you can play cards that will heal your other cards so you can plan your next turn and it'll be really exciting there's also event cards which you can play and say in three turns this really cool thing is going to happen um it's yes, it's very. It's, 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 uh, so my understanding is that it's designed by one of the people who um, designed Magic the Gathering, mm. um, which I have absolutely no interest in getting into. I've got no interest in collect collectible card games. That's something that my uh, my bank account does not need in its life. Uh, but it broadly takes the things that sound interesting about collectible card games puts them into a small box that i can carry around um and i could play quite happily at a cafe or something like that uh the one criticism that i got is that it can feel very very zero sum i know always with a two-player ga- uh, a two-player competitive game it's always going to be zero sum but i had two bad games back to back the first was one where i felt like i'd won and then i got slowly creamed over the course of it to the point where it was like oh man i've truly fucked this and in the second one laura did something very very clever right at the start but it just unpicked my entire strategy from the first turn and it felt like getting spawn camped or something like that it was just yeah brutal. It, it, like where it feels like unfun and not like oh i've been outsmarted it's like oh you've found a way to like you found the like turn rob's defense off button yeah exactly exactly so i mean root is a good example of a game which i do not win very often at all but i always enjoy playing it because as i'm playing it i will be doing a ton of different cool things that will be fun in themselves and whoever wins lovely yeah i mean it's the same same way of like crusader kings where it's like i'm probably not going to achieve one there's no actual win state and two i'm probably not even going to achieve most of the time the thing i want to do the like the big thing that i want to do but there's going to be so much wild shit happening that i'm going to be having a good time regardless exactly yes and radlands doesn't necessarily have that sometimes getting thumped in radlands just feels like getting thumped and those two games back to back was tough but but broadly you can do lots of cool things uh you can find loads of synergies so there are in theory you've got three three so you've got three water tokens that you gain back at the start of every turn um and each action will cost at least one water token to do. So in theory, you are limited to playing two, maybe three cards, maybe an extra card if you're very lucky and happen to draw a 
cost zero card, but you'll only be playing a couple of cards in a turn. But every now and then you can just get this really sweet turn where you play this card and then you play one that gets you a water back and you're doing about seven different actions and it feels absolutely amazing. And it does it does have a little bit of that. Uh, that the, a similar magic to Slay the Spire while being a completely different game. So Radlands is in my thumbs up pile. Cool. Very cool. It does it does look cool. It is it does say that it is sold out everywhere except uh, the EU, the UK, Switzerland, Canada, and the entirety of Asia. So everyone else can get fucked. Yeah, that's a that's a fair few. That's a fair few countries that can uh, become. Yeah, all of, all of the Americas or all of the Americas except Canada, which is odd, which is weird. I feel like it's really it, weird. It almost always is like they just handle the U.S. and Canada as one. So it is weird to be in stock in Canada but not in stock in the U.S. It's a bizarre thing. It, yeah, that's that. I feel like it, it, I I always got the sense that you can just send stuff over the border willy nilly. I'm sure that's not true. It isn't literally uh, true, but like they they will like often there will just be like we are the North American distribution people. We have all of the packages done, so you can like this same packaging can be sold in both the U.S. and Canada. I see, I see, I see. That does make a little bit more sense than what I thought was going on. Yeah, it's not. It isn't quite. It isn't quite that. Like there, there is like free trade stuff. So like there are some things you can do and not have to pay specific whatever duties or whatever or tariffs on. That's a whole like a kind of like a, a separate thing. Um, the more complicated thing would be like labeling. So like in in Canada, everything has to like is required by law to be in English and French. And I see in the U.S., you don't have to label things with a, another language like obviously you would be selling things with with uh, in english especially if it's something like uh, that's regularly like food like the labels would have to be in english but um you don't have to put it in spanish but like hey we have million we have tens of millions of spanish speakers it would be in your best interest to also have your labels in spanish um so like often you will see things that are for north america be in English, French, and Spanish. That makes sense. And I think what is the EU? It's like there's like five. Is it five languages that are required to be sold? Something like that. Oh goodness! All of all of the stuff that I've like my shampoo will have about eight different languages yeah. on the back of it. Something like that. I know. I know that there are a bunch of regulations about how things are labeled. Uh, or also like I, I will. I will. I will. <laughs> non non trivially or, or like uh not infrequently is probably the way better way to say it i will be <laughs> looking on wikipedia at different cheeses and it'll be like if you're in the european union this can only be called this name if it's made in like a one square mile area in northern oh, Italy. And I'm like, oh yeah, we don't do anything like that. The, the United States is unconcerned about your, your regional special, specialities. They are only concerned if you're a corporation. So if you're, if you're, if you're, uh, like, uh, thousands of year old community uh was incorporated and then like applied for a trademark the united states might united states might care but if you're not doing that um they don't give a fuck and like parmesan is just a generic term here but as my understanding in europe it is like no it can only be from these three counties in italy and everything else has to be called like parmesan like cheese that sounds very, very plausible. There's definitely things like that just within the UK where a Cornish pasty has to come from Cornwall or something like that. Um, yeah, champagne's probably a good example of if it's not 
been made in champagne they just have to call it sparkling wine um or i don't know yeah we don't have anything like that at all it's all it's it's only about hey do you have like a trademark on this idea on the on this name i remember being absolutely horrified in uh when we moved to new zealand and uh halloumi was not um halloumi cheese was not subject to the same stringent classifications Mm. as it is in the eu so we tried to um fry it and it just melted (laughs) yeah that's the thing right is that like you can call so there are some things about like okay if you're going to call this thing milk it like there are items that uh, that have to be that are regulated here that are like, okay, well, it has to have this amount of fat in it. If you're going to sell this as cheddar cheese, it has to be aged for X amount of time before you can call it cheddar cheese. Um, and like infamously, there will be things like in, in various like process states that like, oh, you can't call this cheese. It has to be called like a processed cheese product or whatever. Like we have, we have things about yeah. that that you can't just, you can't just call any old thing <laughs> whatever you want. Like, like you can't sell cheese and call it milk, for example. That would not be okay. Yeah, yeah. But like the specific like style of cheese, like, hey, almost all of the mozzarella sold in the United States does, is not made of buffalo milk. It's made of cow's milk because sourcing buffalo milk here would be very difficult. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but to be fair, um, most of the mozzarella in um, uh, Italy is also made out of um, cow's milk. It's like the common thing Mm -hmm. to to, to eat. The the, the actual buffalo mozzarella is... expensive mm. so it's for special occasions yeah and so like and also like uh for example um feta um in i it is my understanding that it is in greece it is almost exclusively made with sheep's milk but yes. in the united states the vast majority of things sold as feta is made with cow's milk because we have a huge cow dairy like industrial complex and sheep's milk is very, very rare here. Like, you can find it, but you're not going to be able to do it at, at scale in the same way you can do with cow's milk here. We have vast supplies of cow's milk and very, very, very little sheep's milk in the United States. So if you're getting a cheese and it is not specifically labeled as like, okay, this is a sheep's milk cheese. This is a goat's milk cheese, which are they are available. You can buy them. It's just... That is a small percentage. It is almost certainly going to be, unless specifically labeled, it's going to be a cow's milk cheese here. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the fun United States. Uh, um, <laughs> the uh, Laughlin, you have other things you wanted to talk about? Oh yeah, yeah, I had. So um, I am tomorrow at noon. I'm going off to the Lake District to uh, to drown a Majanna. Okay. <laughs> It, it's a, a, a pagan ritual that uh, is still very much alive in Poland. Um, it uh, It's like a burning an effigy of Majana, which is the goddess of de- death, winter, but also rebirth. Uh, signifies the end of winter and coming of spring. It feels very hubristic to burn the, like a symbol of death, right? To be like, hey, hey, uh, Grim Reaper, eat <laughs> shit. Hey, hey, buddy, yeah. fuck off. The belt <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and it, de- it depends on where, but usually she is either burned or drowned. Where I come from, she's drowned. In some places, though, she's first burned and then drowned. I, I do like it's it's very bold. I I do have to give it yeah. to them. Very bold strategy is being like, "Fuck, hey, big old billboard, eat shit, death." <laughs> yeah, 
basically. So yeah, it's a it's a pagan ritual, and it's gonna be fun. Um, going with going with friends, going to have fun, party party, stuff like that. Sick, awesome. Yeah, I I thought that you might find the the whole idea of <laughs> getting rid of effigy of Majanna. <laughs> it is funny. it is funny. It is it's a funny idea, and I I I um I like the boldness, but I also feel like um, <laughs> it is tempting fate in a way that uh like the. <laughs> The uh, like pro- like the the prim Protestants that I my fa- that my family is descended from would never fuck with fate in such a way as to be like yeah let's just uh, send a big old fuck you it's like let's what if we what you know like the big foam fingers what if it was a big foam finger but it's the middle finger and on it, on the foam finger it just says fuck death in the ass uh, it is very very funny <laughs> yeah. Uh, it turns out that, um, that around Poland we actually have a whole bunch of uh, interesting uh, rituals that hail still from the pagan era. Uh, and that's uh, absolutely fantastic taking uh, part of that. Sick. Uh, what what's your yeah. other what's your other thing on your on your list? Oh, okay. So uh, we do have sort sort of a thing like a Beltane. Mm-hmm. You know what Beltane is? I do not. Uh, okay, so it's uh, like a kind of like a fire festival, maybe. Uh, uh, fire maybe. festival? No, no, not like that. <laughs> no, no, no why in the in... a festival of fire? Okay, you might say. <laughs> Uh, uh, burn bonfires, uh, uh, party. Okay. Uh, uh, on the May Day, so first first of May, okay. uh, usually it's uh, the the the, the, c- c- the coming of uh, summer, mm-hmm. and then then there is midsummer, uh, which is uh, confusingly called not Świętojańska, which is St. John's Night. Okay. Uh, and John signed sent on or otherwise did not have anything to do with it. There's more bonfires then. Okay. And then um, it's a fertility rite. Okay. See, so what, he- what I'm hearing is a lot of fires going on in Poland. Uh, during the, 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 the summer months, yes. Yes, very much so. But th- then we have another fertility rite mm. uh, during Easter. Grief. <laughs> you shit. You, <laughs> gonna people be so are going to be so fertile. It's like if popping out babies left and right over here. <laughs> well, we we had to because we were constantly taken away by Romans to be the slaves, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> anyway, uh, another fertility rite, which is called... Uh, hold on to your hats now. Schmigeldingus. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. It's um, on the, on the um, Easter Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... The tradition is that... Uh, Young gentlemen uh, take buckets of water and uh, just throw it at the ladies who they're fancy. What the fuck? Yes. Rude IMO. It's basically <laughs> a wet t-shirt contest. Mm. No, I'm sorry, fertility. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, hmm. it, there's perhaps some issues here around consent um, that that, yes. m- that may be... Uh, uh, Various Polish people in the past maybe were not considering when they started this tradition. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I would um, I would be bummed out if somebody uh, threw a bucket of water on me. I wouldn't. I would have a bad time. Yeah. It also seems I, especially uh, bad now that people walk around with electronics on them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually just you know super soakers these days. Mm. So. 
Don't worry. Mm, that does make some. You modernize it. You just get some some fucking uh, water guns. And just, pss, 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 pss. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, uh, around this time of day, uh, because it's um, on Easter, right? Mm. Uh, you you could buy in in any um, like uh, shop, uh, usually a toy shop. Mm. You could get something like uh, like a color egg, which was uh, made of um, uh, like a soft plastic, mm. and it had like a nozzle on the top. Mm. You could fill it out uh, with water, and by pushing it, spray the water on people. Mm. So there are accessories for Schmiegel's Dingles. <laughs> it's uh, it's also like a like I don't does it does it also sound funny to like native Polish speakers or is it only yes okay yes it it sounds stupid <laughs> and funny. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds that. I mean. It, <laughs> I I would I would not be having a good time if I got splashed, but I guess if everybody involved is l- looking to get splashed, then I guess uh, go with God. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, we have, but this, all the all the fertility and stuff rituals that that happens in the first part of the year. Mm-hmm. Curiously, we don't actually have any uh, sort of um, bountiful harvest, uh, right? Interesting, because like I feel like we are. United States and various uh, Western European uh, yeah. uh, cultures that that influenced it very heavy on the harvest side. Yeah, and, and we we don't uh, nothing nothing like that really um, happens. I wonder why. There, there is um, there, there there is one thing is like Green Holiday. You might translate it to, which is at the at the in the middle of. Um, uh, August is it August? Uh, yes, in the middle of August, uh, which is usually when um, si- that signifies the, the the beginning of harvest. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, apart from that, we don't have anything to um, like close the the harvest season. Yeah. I, and then yeah. I was gonna say we have. I feel like it feels like here here it is like a. Not necessarily always like literal. It's much more metaphorical of like the the harvest, like end of year stuff. But I feel like it is drawn out from like Sept the beginning of September, like all the way into like into where you're starting Christmas stuff. I feel like is all harvest shit here. Oh, it's a long. It's well, a long. It's like a two month period of just harvest shit where you walk into any store like like a walmart or whatever and it's just gonna be like here's uh corn corn stalks here's a scarecrow um okay so going to halloween now Mm. uh there is a polish version of halloween Mm. actually um well more like slavic version but this is mostly a polish tradition actually uh, so you played The Witcher free, and there was a Forefather's Eve quest there. Okay, I don't remember that specific quest off the top of my head, but maybe if you if you talk about it, then maybe I would remember it. Mm-hmm. So you, it it's, it is happening on Halloween. Okay. Uh, and uh, what happens is that you uh, summon uh, ghosts of your well forefathers. Mm-hmm. Or past people mm-hmm. to help them like move along mm-hmm. uh, to to the afterlife. The the ghosts who linger. Mm-hmm. You, you basically um, summon them, have a little chat, and uh, uh, help them move along mm-hmm. or just hang out. Right. Whatever. You do the same thing uh, with, in various contexts, but yeah. Yeah, and but a month later, on the very last day of November. Mm-hmm. 
we have another witchy magic um, uh, ritual mm-hmm. too. Uh, it's um, called Andrzejki, which is Andrew's Eve. Okay, and what is that? And it, um, it it's uh, a b- bunch of um, divination mm-hmm. stuff going on. Uh, so you you can try divining uh, with very traditional methods because there are methods mm-hmm. and spells <laughs> to cast mm-hmm. <laughs> rituals. <laughs> Uh, you can divine stuff like uh, okay, it's it's usually about marriage and and fertility. Mm-hmm. How yeah. many babies am I gonna have? Uh, among other things, yes. How how uh, but, how but, much but, fucking but am I gonna do in the new luck. year? Yeah, yeah, but also there's there's just general luck and uh, like near future, mm-hmm. like the ne- the next year. Right. Uh, like how many condoms do I need to buy this year? <laughs> well, if you want to participate in all of the fertility rides that we have around here, uh, a jumbo pack. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is that, that sounds Poland. Proof. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound it does sound very cool. Um, and so like this is all you're gonna. So what what I'm hearing is like April through May, you're gonna have a busy time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then obviously there's uh, around um, uh, midwinter. Oh, well, not midwinter really, but like Yuletide mm-hmm. things going on. Uh, we don't we don't have uh, certain traditions uh, around Christmas that were uh, they that there are pagan in origin that were incorporated into celebration of uh, Christmas. Mm. Obviously, I'm not sure if you know about going. Um, Colin Dovania. Uh, it's like um, you. I'm sure Rob is familiar with this. Uh, like going from house to house, uh, singing. Yeah, caroling. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. But we wear uh, cosplay. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> oh, so is, are you wearing? Are you wearing like saint cosplay? No. Okay. No. Uh, pagan monsters like. Uh, uh, like devils and uh, other chorts, mm-hmm. basically, to scare them away. You dress up as the demons or whatever, and you say, all right, get out of here. You, you, you write fuck off death yes. on your costume, and you scare death away. Yeah, um, yeah that sounds cool. I do, I, I do kind yeah, of like There are other small, small things uh, with that, but I don't really remember all of it right now. Another thing that is kind of like baked into um, Christmas traditions through song, but less in terms of people uh, doing it super commonly, is something called wassailing, which is like caroling where you're going from house to house and do, you know spreading Christmas cheer, but also you go in and you drink like a spiced alcoholic drink called wassail. Oh, and so like like here we like here we go a wassailing is a is like a very popular Christmas song like a classic Christmas song, but I don't know if I've ever like I have gone caroling, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's ever gone a wassailing, <laughs> um, but it is a thing that is like that it remains in the popular understanding of Christmas because it's in a popular song even though people don't do it. Do people actually prepare for people wassailing? Do they have a supply of spiced alcohol around? It is my understanding that in a previous time um, that it was common to do and that it is no longer common. So no one, I've never seen wassail. 
let alone uh, tasted wassail. Um, it is my understanding that it is from it is from a, a previous time period where people would go wassailing, but no one does that now. At least nobody. Rob, have you ever wassailed? Um, no, no. But you are but you are familiar because of the song, yes? Yeah? Or is it? Uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't sure if it had like died in the UK and like it remained a remnant only in the United States. No, no, I'm 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 aware of it. Yeah, but you but you would have never seen someone wassailing or like, oh yeah, my friend Greg, he always is going wassailing. Uh, can't stop him or so. <laughs> uh, um, just real quick, um, I do wanted to call out um, the U.S. Senate, notorious for doing nothing all the time. Um, they oh. passed a bill, which is just the first step, also has to go to the House and then it has to go to the President, um, that would do away with daylight savings time. That would basically make it permanent daylight savings time. If if, oh, if it all, if, if it also passes the House, if it also gets signed by the President, um, it's cool like i hate the time change and i like light later in the day so it's weird that the senate did a thing that i'm like i i like what they did like they passed it uh, on a voice vote and so basically just universally the entirety of the senate was like get rid of this thing grant doesn't like and i'm like i i I feel good about a thing the senate did that's Uh, weird hold on hold on did they decide to have permanently switch to daylight savings yes well so they they Uh, started it it's not done yet I mean, I'm I'm all for abolishing the daylight saving time, but I think that uh, keeping it to closer to the actual sun time is better, and not not using daylight saving time uh, for a whole year, uh, especially during winter, because the effects of uh, uh, especially if you are working um, early mornings or just regular shift or children going to school whatever um it's it's not good to be waking up in the dark and going to work and then coming back home in the dark not seeing the sun at all but the thing is like the idea is that when you're moving it you're making it so more people can see the sun at the end of the day which for me is very important because like i will the be in our current system, there are huge chunks of the year where I don't see the sun really at all. Like, it, whatever. I can see it through a window, but like, I can't go out into the sun at all because I'm working. And it is like, by the time I am done work relatively early in the afternoon, it, the sun is already fucking gone. And it's like, well, shit. Yes, y- yes. But during winter, uh, it, it won't matter that much if it's going to be like that uh, for you anyway, because you're not going to see the sun anyway. What I'm saying is, fuck uh, them but it, it messes messes with people and their and their internal clocks, and uh, especially uh, with people who are uh, susceptible to bless you, Penny, uh, who are susceptible to seasonal affective disorder. I, I they can keep waking uh, they, up earlier. There were intense. Uh, extensive studies made on the subject actually there were tests (laughs) some countries actually did test it and it it doesn't really work as well as people imagine it does here's what i'm saying i I would say move the move the fucking day later like start the kids later in school then sorry go ahead rob like oh i was just gonna say if you do have seasonal affective disorder wake up earlier don't let the clock be the boss of you you manage that yeah 
Well, I mean, I also, I, I, I also have some amount of, of, uh, sad, um, both terms, both ways of sad. Um, but, um, I, I do other things to try to manage it. Um, I obviously don't have it as intense as some people, but like, what I'm saying is, we can const- we we have the power we can construct society so that we are, we are operate in peak sunlight without having to change the fucking clocks yeah um, yeah i agree i i agree that abolishing this uh, nonsense thing because it is nonsense is uh, important and there are plans to do it in the european union as well we just can't decide on which time we want yeah. apparently well the frustrating so- thing was like delaware passed it um, that passed it with like this huge asterisk, which is like if every state around us also switched, then it would trigger the switch. But it's like one of those things where you have to get all the different, you have to get like five different state legislatures all to agree on the same thing, which is basically impossible. Um, or not impossible, like it's very fucking unlikely to get all of them to fucking agree on the same goddamn thing. So it, it it's been on the books for a while that like if New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Maryland and Virginia all do it, then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, well, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, so it is nice to see them doing something at the federal level. Uh, my my guess would be that the the Dems in in the, in the House would be like them doing a good thing. We got to stop this. We got we got to throw a wrench in this shit. We can't let them do good things. Uh, would be my my uh, my guess is how that's going to play out. But it is yeah, nice. Anyway, we're we are late. We we got to wrap things up. Rob, where can people find you on the internet? SoundCloud.com forward slash Rob D Webster. Listen to your latest track, uh, Daylight Savings Time. Laughlin, where can people find you on the internet? On Instagram, it's at Laughlin. And I will be posting my pagan ritual photos, probably. Very good. I also was like, oh, I'll check, I'll check Laughlin's Instagram to see if she's upload, if she, if she's posted lately to see if she's alive. And it's like, oh, okay, well, she hasn't posted in weeks. So this is not useful information. Um, but if you do want to see archived pictures of Laughlin's cats, you can go to at Laughlin on Instagram. And if you want to see what I do, head over to grantbrunner.com. Com. For the Weekly Roar, I'm Grant Bruner. I'm Bob Jortsman. That's not a good one. Cry and I probably won't hear you Because it's loud with the shop back